We're on. We're on. And we're on. Yes. So you guys, this is Deandra. Hi. What do you do? I am a researcher. Specifically, she's a cancer researcher. Yes. What kind of cancer research do you do? So I do prostate cancer. And I must say that I do health disparity. So I look at minorities specifically and prostate cancer. Yes. I love that. Yes. I actually love that. Um, can you get a little bit more granular? So, so when you're researching, what are you looking at specifically? So I'm going to start, I'm going to pull it out and then yes. let's go in. Perfect. Okay. Let's so I work for Charles Street University. Okay. It's under a uh, huge NIH grant, which is in combination with uh, UCLA. Mm -hmm. So we have been given the task to understand why minorities, specifically Latinos and African Americans, suffer from a higher incident as well as a higher mortality rate when it comes to cancers. Okay. And it's... To be honest with you, it's universal. And so I won't just say it's prostate cancer. No, it's prostate, breast, um, colorectal cancer, um, uh, ovarian cancer. Mm. So African Americans have a huge disparity when it comes to cancer. And we have been given the task to try to piece that out. Okay. And a um, more of a, well, I'm on the biological side. Okay. So there's a community aspect looking at social issues as well okay but i of course yes because those are that, that's real that's real honestly you know my friend writes for man repeller which is an online um it started off as a fashion blog and now she just deals with social issues and she was just she wrote an article about how blackness affects your health it does and she says something that i almost cried because um I switched jobs a while ago mm -hmm. and in my new position I was under a great deal of stress because no one at the time knew it but my father passed away so I was dealing Did with I a know lot. This? No, I don't like openly share it. Oh, but, okay. Yeah, but she wrote in the article that African American people hum or mm -hmm. sing to manage stress and at work I was known for always humming under my breath and they would have to tell me and and it, it just it almost hurts because you think you're just singing, but you're actually also coping. Mm. Anyway, continue. So I think that the social aspects, the social environmental factors are so big. Yes. Um, so, oh, wow. yeah, I know, right? But for as far as, are there specific causes of prostate cancer? So for African-Americans versus um, white Caucasians, because yeah. when they make the comparison, the comparison is to Caucasians. Okay. So if you're looking at a graph and you're seeing African Americans up here and um, white or Caucasians down here, that's where they're looking at the gap. So they look okay. at the gap in the health disparity okay. there. So, so it's a large gap. Okay. So, but they're saying that prostate cancer is caused by different things or by are there like a cluster of things that you can always see in every case? I can't say that mm. because we're all biologically different. Okay. Um, but what they do see is that in African Americans, usually they're not diagnosed early. So mm. cancer, in just in general, if it's diagnosed early and you find it in the early stage, there's like a 98 to 100% chance of survival. But if you're coming in at stage four cancer, it becomes extremely hard to treat because cancer is one of those things that want to survive. And so if you're trying to survive, you're using every avenue out there. And so cancer is the same way. So it uses different molecular signaling pathways to, to survive. Wow. And by the time you get to stage five, it's metastatic. I mean, stage four is metastatic. Okay. Which means it's no longer in the prostate. It's in other areas of the body. And so when cancer moves to another 
place in the body, it then utilizes that environment to grow. Oh. Which means if I'm trying to target your prostate, that's a whole nother micro environment than the bone. Okay. So I can give you something to target the prostate, but it's in the bone too. Okay, so cancer is like a parasite. That's like the best way to explain cancer. It's trying, it's using, it's using you as a host to survive. Okay. Cancer says, hmm, you're stopping me from growing on this pathway. Let's turn over here and see if we can utilize the angioreceptor signaling pathway because these are all pathways that it can use to proliferate and grow and survive. Okay. So cells in general would just have pathways. Okay. Yes. Got it. Okay. Yes. There's all kind of molecular pathways, kinase pathways. All these pathways go into producing transcriptional responses that allow it to grow and thrive. Okay. Got it. Got yes. it. So you're on the biological side. I'm Explain more what you do. So. <laughs> I literally, um, so my, my specific task is to look at factors that contribute to drug resistance. Okay. So I am currently right now looking at it on a large scale. And so when I say a large scale, I'm not specifically looking at African Americans at this point. I'm looking at, does this gene cause this in a global sense? Got it. Okay. And then once I find that out, I'm then going to say, okay, this, this, causes drug resistance in a global sense. Now, does it? do I see a trend in African-Americans? Mm, okay. So it's kind of like, let me pull out okay. and then go in. Okay. Because if this factor is, um, is pertinent and a global factor, that means it affects everybody, but then let's see if it affects African-Americans more. Okay. Are you able to share some of your findings? So, um, so surprising. If not, it's okay. Okay, so I don't want to completely. Okay, I understand. But I will like give an overview because okay. I haven't published it yet. I'm like, now. Nah. You have to publish. Got yeah. that. Um, so I have overexpressed a certain protein in uh, prostate cancer cells. Okay. And I'm looking at how it changes the behavior. Okay. So specifically, what I'm looking at is whether it is it causes drug resistance to the normal um, drugs that they give. African, not African Americans, but like everybody. Okay. So when you present with prostate cancer, just in general, they give you what is called an anti-androgen. Okay. If you're in the early stage, they give you something called bicalutamide, okay. which is an anti-androgen. And then if you're in the later stage, like metastatic or something, they give you um, enzalutamide, which is basically a stronger bicalutamide. Got it. So it's just, it's stopping the um, androgen from interacting with the androgen receptor. Got it. So I don't want to talk a whole bunch of science because then they'll start getting like, what do you do? Okay. But what I'm finding is that the protein that I'm working with actually contributes to partial resistance. So I'm not going to say complete resistance, okay. but you see a, a 40, I'd say about a 40% um, increase in growth as compared to wild type. As compared to? Oh, sorry. <laughs> the regular cells. Wild type is the parent cells. Got it. Yes. So I okay. compare the cells that don't have the protein okay. overexpressed in it versus the cells that have the um, pro the protein overexpressed in it. We call those wild type cells. Okay. Historically, have you been able? Well, not historically, because you, you haven't lived forever. But um, <laughs> have they found that um, what is most effective form of treatment for prostate cancer in African Americans? Is it chemotherapy? Is it um, you want me to be honest with you? Yeah. Early detection. Is the best way. Is the best way in prevention. How, okay, how does one prevent cancer? So, Seems like it's 
you can get it no matter what. So this is true. So okay. some people are genetically predisposed. Okay. Um, so there's something called BRCA1, BRCA2 mutation. Okay. Um, these things are known to, um, yeah, these things are known to be kind of an implicating marker that you might be predisposed to get cancer. Mm -hmm. um, it's not something that someone would look for, I think, immediately, mm -hmm. even though they're starting to do a lot more genetic studies now. Okay. Like, um, a lady was diagnosed, my PI, my boss was telling me that mm -hmm. a lady was diagnosed with cancer and it was more of an advanced stage. So she wanted to get a doctor's perspective as well as a research perspective. Okay. And so she sent all of her medical records to him mm -hmm. and they had a full genetic profile on her. Mm. So if you have a full genetic profile on someone and you find that they have a BRCA mutation, your efforts need to be so much more aggressive than I guess someone without a BRCA mutation. Got it. Okay. So yeah. when people go in, let's say um, they go into their regular physician and they, let's say, detect a lump in their breast. Mm -hmm. Do you feel, is everyone getting this genetic? No. Should it, 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 should it be part of the treatment, do you think? So it's a very small population and used to be, you, you used to think that it was just Jewish women because mm -hmm. they found it um, in a certain kind of population. I can't remember mm -hmm. the population, but in Jewish women. Okay. However, it's starting to be shown to be like universal. It's not just in um, breast, it's in prostate too. So it's, it's in a number of different cancers. And this is just saying that you're predisposed to having more mutations than a normal person. Got it. Okay. And cancer is the accumulation of mutations in your cells. Then your cells just go rogue. Mm. They're the rogue cells in your body. Okay, so they're no longer responding to... They're not no longer behaving normally. Okay. They're abnormal cells that usually start proliferating out of control, taking over organ systems. They just start taking over your body. Okay. When did your interest in cancer research begin? Was it as far back as high school or did it start in college? So I will tell you my life has kind of been like a hodgepodge of different experiences that mm -hmm. have directed me. Okay. Um, so <laughs> when I was, I guess it had to be like 10 or 11, mm -hmm. my cousin was diagnosed with cancer. Okay. So we were the same age, okay. and like my role doll, mm -hmm. Jeremy, Jeremy Moultrie, mm -hmm. and um, I remember going to the hospital with him. He had spinal cancer. Okay. So he had tumors on the spine, which um, when they went in for surgery, mm -hmm. his he stopped being able to walk, like he paralyzed him. Oh my god. And so I remember going with my auntie to mm -hmm. the hospital, and he was in so much pain. Like, I heard him screaming and hollering from um, the x-ray room. This was just laying him down for an x-ray. And I was just like, what in the world? Mm -hmm. Like, I was so frustrated and I was so mad, even at a young age. Why is he back there screaming? And then uh, my mom told me, she was like, well, you know, the anesthesiologist gave him something, blah, blah, blah. blah. And I was just like, oh, what is an anesthesiologist? <laughs> and she told me that um, someone that stops pain. I was like, okay. I want to stop pain. Okay. I don't want anybody to ever be in the pain that my cousin is in. So I decided that I was going to be an anesthesiologist. Okay. That is when I decided my career path. Okay. I wanted to be an anesthesiologist from that point all up until, like, until, actually until I worked with an anesthesiologist. And then it was no. No, it wasn't no. The anesthesiologist mm -hmm. actually introduced me to research. 
Interesting. Okay, so this was when college. So this is college. Okay. So your degree was in biology. Biology, pre med, medical school. Okay. Yes. Okay. So you finished. So you met her. I guess you were doing some undergraduate research. Yes. So okay. what ended up happening? No, I didn't. My first year, mm -hmm. I had um, told. So I told a doctor that I wanted to be an anesthesiologist. Mm -hmm. And he says, well, I have an anesthesiologist friend. Of course. Would you like to work with him for the summer? I said, yes. <laughs> so you worked with the anesthesiologist for a, a summer. summer. A summer. And yes. by the end of the summer, you said. So this is what happened. The anesthesiologist treated me like a medical student, okay? Okay. He told me, so if you want to work here, your hours are from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. Okay. And I said. Fair enough. No, no mm -mm, that wasn't me. I was like, Hurr. <laughs> I said, okay, all right, if I say I want to do this, I got to, like, man up. Right. But this dude introduced me to everything. He, okay. Nothing. He went, took me to the surgery rooms. Oh, wow. I put on gloves. I felt parts of body. I went, we was, one incident I remember so clearly was this little boy who had um, tumors in his kidneys. Mm. And he must have been three. And they cut him open, and he showed me, like, the surgeon pulled out his kidneys and said, might as well close them back up. It's everywhere. And I was like, are you serious? Like he pulled it out and you could see like all these little, like these nodules all in his kidneys. And he, he let me touch them. He's like, this is, these are tumors. He's, there's nothing we can do for him. Wow, what an immersion. I remember I wanted to be an OBGYN and the furthest I got was getting ice for moms who just had babies. Yeah. So that's how you know something's for you, I guess. The door's open, huh? Yeah. When I say open, wide open. Wow. Yeah. So I worked with him for the whole summer. Mm -hmm. And I remember this is what happened. Mm -hmm. How we got to research. Because I was like, why did we get to the research thing? Mm -hmm. So we, I went on rounds with him mm -hmm. to visit people that had surgery and also sickle cell patients. Okay. So there was this girl who was in so much pain and she reminded me of my cousin. Mm -hmm. So... The anesthesiologist gave her medicine, mm -hmm. and then we went to all the other patients, and then we came back to her room, mm -hmm. and she was still curled up in a ball, bawling her eyes out. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, okay, well, like, are we going to do job. something? Right. Yeah, like, do your job. What else are we going to do? Right. And so um, he spoke with me. He said, well, research hasn't come that far. What's research? Oh my goodness gracious, y'all got all these excuses. That's like how I think. Mm -hmm. Like if you have a patient there, like what are the excuses you're giving me? Right. Like what is this research thing? Right. So when we got back to the office, he gave me all these papers and put them in front of my face. And he said, but first read this book. This book must have been mystic. He was like, yeah, I read all of it, but read the first two chapters. And so I talked about anesthesiology and how it began mm -hmm. and the beginning steps of the research. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't want to do research. Mm. I don't want to be a doctor. Right, I right, right. I want to be the creator of the knowledge. Got it. And then he explained to me, so there are physicians that get PhDs, so you mm -hmm. can do MD, PhD, or you can do a PhD. You can do whatever you want to. Mm, okay. But he told me that this is the avenue if you want to build on what we already have. Okay. So you graduate. So I graduate. Then a master's? No. Okay. So before that, so I was in the honors college. Okay. Right? And so in the honors college, you have to complete a thesis. And okay. because I was pre-med, I had to do a research thesis, which okay. means I was in a lab. Okay. So for my last two years, I was in the laboratory. Girl, I don't know what I did in the laboratory. So okay. I decided that I still want to do anesthesiology, but I wanted to be a researcher. Okay. 
And so Ohio State had a phenomenal anesthesiology research program. Mm -hmm. I went to take the GRE mm -hmm. and I did horrible on the GRE. Mm -hmm. When I say horrible, horrible. But I thought I was prepared. So I took the GRE right after uh, graduating okay. because I was on courses to help me with the GRE. Mm -hmm. And when I got to the GRE, there were all these words that I'd never seen in books before. <laughs> like the old English foolishness. <laughs> so um, I didn't do very well. No. And so I was crushed. So you wandered. I wandered. So um, six months go by. And six, then... Um, so probably five or six months is when I didn't get into grad school. So I actually like hung out with my mom for a little bit. <laughs> and then found out somewhere in between that I didn't get into graduate school. And I was crushed. Um, and I don't even know what my state of mind was then mm -hmm. because I started doing just a lot of trifling things mm -hmm. that I didn't even know I even wanted to do. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a rebellion against God and frustration because, you know, you were supposed to get me blah, 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 You know, whatever my brain was thinking. Mm -hmm. And then I decided that, okay, that's why you should always have a plan B, right? I don't believe in the plan B anymore. No, neither do I. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna tell you what happened. What had happened was, okay. I plan B it and went to nursing school. You went to nurse? Oh, yes. Okay. I plan B it and went to nursing school. How was that? And I was in nursing school for six, eight months, something like that. And then um, God sent a woman to help wake me up. Oh, do tell. So we love those moments. I was gonna start my clinicals. Okay. Because it was an advanced fast track mm -hmm. uh, nursing program. Okay. And um, I'm trying to remember her name, which is terrible, and I'm, I'm going to remember her name, Doctor Doctor Sylvester. Okay. So I needed to get a physical mm -hmm. for the clinicals, and so I um, went to get a physical, and I gave her all my papers, mm -hmm. and she's going through. She's like, Oh, so you're gonna be a nurse? And I was like, Yeah. She's like, Oh, that's awesome. And I was like. Yeah, it's alright. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's alright. And she was just like, I guess. <laughs> what do you mean? I was like, well, it's not plan B. I'll do plan A after, you know, I've finished mm -hmm. this. Because there's another thing in me. If I start something, I have to finish it. Mm. So I'm not someone who will start something and then not complete it. Mm, okay. That drives me crazy. That's a good quality. Incomplete. Yes. Being incomplete. That drives me crazy. I'm. Very anyway, continue. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, she says, No, there are no plan B's in life. And I said, Give me my, you know, give me my physical. I need to, right, you know. And she's just like, Okay, let's sit down and figure out how we're going to navigate you where you want to go. What do you want to do? This doctor wow. sits down, that's a divine appointment, and writes out exactly what I'm going to do. Right? Right. And she encourages me to go after what God has placed in my heart. Wow. And I was just like, but I'm in nursing school right now. I'll be done right. in like a year. It'll be fine. You know, that's my break. That's my thought of course. Pattern. Finish. Finish. I know what you mean. So, God had a um, career fair. It was like a graduate school career fair. Like, to go to graduate school. Mm -hmm. Or, I can't remember what they call it. Graduate school fair. Graduate school fair is what it's called. Okay. I went to that, but I only went because I talked to her because it was literally the next week. Mm. I went with my brother. My mind frame is, don't let anything else distract you. Okay. Stay focused. Okay. So I would have not normally gone mm -hmm. to a 
graduate school fair, okay. if I'm already in nursing school, just got a scholarship okay. to go to the nursing school. Okay. Like they literally laying it out like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, you gonna stay. Got it. You know, so all of these things have been laid out for me. Mm-hmm. Why would I start living somewhere else? You're about to pay my tuition. Exactly. So because I talked to her, I went to the graduate school fair, mm-hmm. met this lady. She was like, okay, I, she was literally selling me. And I was just like, um, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was like, listen, just try it. We will take, we will send you to Har- um, Howard and we'll send you to University of Texas El Paso for free. What was she telling you to try exactly? To go because you know for she was, what subject matter? I mean, for research, just for research. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Because you get to meet the people, like the department heads mm-hmm. and all the other stuff. And she's like, just go, just go and just see. Okay. And so I was like, okay. She's like, it's be free. And she's like, I promise you, I will lay it out before you. Mm-hmm. No, I have y'all doing the best of the. You know, she was basically saying, right, 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 right. And I was like, okay, we'll see. Mm-hmm. And she kept her promise. Okay. And so I knew that I was going to love. Really? I knew that I was going to love Howard. I only went for Howard. Okay. But she made me make a promise. If I'd go to Howard, mm-hmm. I would go to University of Texas El Paso. And just also check it out. Chance. Just okay. give it a chance. Okay. Because it's a, it's a, it was a smaller institution, mm-hmm. and they had just gotten all these millions of dollars for research. Okay. So she was like, there's so much money there. She's mm-hmm. like, just, just give it a chance. Okay. And so I was like, okay. I was like, it's free? It's free? Okay, I'll go. All right. Okay. So I went. To Howard, hated it. Really? Hated it with a passion. There was no one to greet me when I got there from the department that I wanted to work in. Okay. It was too high cost of living. Okay. People were telling me they were paying like $1,200 for a bedroom. Mm-hmm. And I said bedroom. And then they told me that the stipend was only like $1,800 or $2,000. Like how in the world am I going to eat? Right. So... I decided that I wasn't going to go there. Okay. And then I was just went to Texas just to have another break. Okay. And you loved it? Girl, when I tell you they laid out the red carpet for me, like, there were multiple people <laughs> from the department. Was so it like you arrived at the airport and there was like a sign? <laughs> <laughs> no, yes, it was. <laughs> of course. No, yeah, it was. Those, yeah. And they were, they were very, very um, family oriented and very mm. welcoming. Got it. And, you know, helping me to understand that they make sure the environment around their students help them grow. Right. And I knew that I needed a lot of growth. Mm-hmm. So um, I said, okay. But then come to find out that the application deadline went past and all that stuff. And I was just like, oh, okay. Like, mm-hmm. Let's just go on. Enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm. No expectations. Because how it was so terrible. I was mm-hmm. like, no expectations. Got it. So my personality is hilarious mm-hmm. because I just, I am who I am, mm-hmm. and it gets me in trouble sometimes, but sometimes it can be a great blessing. Mm-hmm. So at the very end, they had us to meet with different people from the department. Okay. So I was set at the table with the director of the biological sciences. Okay. And girl, I was just totally myself. <laughs> Which is very lovely. It's very lovely. Mm-hmm. But he was asking me different questions, and I was answering them mm-hmm. and just, you know, saying that I didn't feel like that I was up to par, blase, blase, womp, womp, womp. And he's like, okay. He's like, but you wanted to, you wanted to do this? And I was like, yeah. I didn't know he was the director. Mm. This is just me talking okay. and communicating with someone okay. who's asking me questions. Okay, but you had no idea who he I was. I had no idea who okay. he was. No Another idea. divine appointment, yes. sounds like. So he's like, send me your stuff when you get back to um, Alabama. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. I sent him my stuff. Didn't think anything about it. And 
he asked me, he was like, well, are you interested in coming here? And I said, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Like, that was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I said, but the application deadline, the, the deadline has passed. He's mm-hmm. like, send me the application. So I sent him the application. First, I sent him all my grades and my mm-hmm. GRE scores and everything. And then I sent him the application because he said, just send me your application. Okay. Like, oh, okay. Sent him my application. And then this is to tell you that God God does is so things. real. So my... Um, doubtful self decided mm-hmm. to check masters and not PhD because I didn't have a masters. Okay. And I thought in my mind they wouldn't allow me into the ma- the PhD program because my grades weren't good enough and my GRE score wasn't good enough. Like I'm thinking to myself, I don't have like a 4.0. Okay. You know, I'm still like, I mean, I'm okay, but I'm not like mm-hmm. superior. So right. I'm, I'm mediocre in myself. Okay. And so I checked masters and he emails me back and he says, do you want to do the master's or the PhD? Because I spoke nothing mm-hmm. of the master's program when I talked to him. Mm-hmm. I only spoke of the PhD program. Mm. And I told him, I was like, I want to do a PhD, but I didn't think that, like, I qualified for right. it. And I thought that I had to have a master's for mm-hmm. this. He's like, no, we have a direct entry. If you want to wow. do the PhD, tell me now. And I was like, I want to do PhD. Wow. He emails me back. He's just like, unofficially, get your bags packed. Be here. And like a mom. And I was like, wait, what? I was like, what? 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 I said, but where? Wait, how can I do that? Like, I, she, uh, so I still didn't like, I was like, right. myself, wait for letter. I had a letter a week before it was time for me to go, so I'm glad I went here and started packing my bags. And it showed that I was accepted. And so I was just like, how is this possible? My goodness. Like, how is it? That's God. It's nothing but God. Because the deadline had passed. I checked masters. Right. And here you are. Off to get a PhD. Off to get a so PhD. So you're actually a doctor. Yes. Yeah. So you're real smart. Uh, I'm smart. <laughs> That's what they've been telling me, but I don't know. I don't know. I, so but you funny. know what I want to say? Yeah. I don't consider myself smart smart. Mm-hmm. I consider myself one who allows God to use them. Uh, and that's... And he makes up all of my institutions. Yes, he does. It's so crazy what happens when you are available yeah he makes you look good in front of people i cannot tell you how many times god has kept me from looking dumb yes like just people think you're more brilliant like or just well he just makes up you right he just inserts his wisdom and his intelligence and you come out looking like you are the one and And you're not you're not you're not like even when i got my degree i was like this is god yeah like i see it and i think to myself this does not belong to me. Like right. it doesn't need. It needs to say, Lord God Almighty. Right. Did this. His degree. This is his degree. I know what you mean. It's not mine because if it were up to me, I would have just settled for mediocrity. Right. Because not because I feel like I'm mediocre. Like I'm just like low and other. It's not because I have low self-esteem. It's just I'm like okay. It's you know? it's a charted path. It's, it was something that was navigated. You could figure God. out right. Yeah, if you had settled for your thing, you would you know, yeah, you knew. I could, yeah, I could navigate it. Exactly. You knew how it's going to end. Yes. Right. I knew what to expect. Right. Exactly. And that literally, so even like accepting it, my parents had the hardest time because literally I'm going outside of their reach. Mm. So it's something that not only for me, but for my parents. Mm. And then it was necessary for my spiritual growth. Right. So I believe that God navigated my path to El Paso, Texas. Because it was so necessary for me. Mm. And I always tell them beautiful things can grow in the desert. Right. Beautiful things. Because 
God waters yes. the dry places. But you have to allow yourself to be planted yes. and, and be you the have seed. to trust Him that He yes. will provide. Yes, and He will. needs for a thirsty soul even in the desert. That's true. That is so true. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so you graduate. You graduate. And you, what made you? Did you kind of find yourself in prostate prostate cancer? Why can I? Why can I say that word? Prostate. Prostate cancer research, or you started off with researching other cancers. So I actually started in a virology lab. Okay. Um, I was instructed to work with a particular mentor mm-hmm. because she had money to like give me money to okay. like research. Okay. That relationship didn't end up working out. I'm not going to talk about this on camera just in case she sees it. Mm-hmm. God bless her soul because we're not okay now. Like, okay. God is good because he's just good. Right. Anyway. right. But that relationship didn't end up working out. Okay. And then I had determined in my mind that I wanted to do something with the brain mm-hmm. because I wanted to still focus on pain. Mm. And so um, there was a guy there that worked with opiates and something else, some kind of brain something. So I was contemplating working with him. Mm-hmm. Then I was hearing rumors about X, Y, and Z, blah, 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 blah. And then um, one of my professors, mm-hmm. so mind you, I am very rusty because I've been out of school like two years before I go into the PhD program. Okay. So I'm rusty. Mm-hmm. In every aspect, I'm rusty. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I didn't know that's what graduate school was, even though mm-hmm. I said that's what I wanted to do. Like, that's what I was told that that's what I need to do. Mm-hmm. But I still didn't understand. I didn't understand so many different things. And, and that's what's probably a blessing in disguise. Because I feel like oh, my problem now within my current life is that I, I know so much that the knowledge stops me. But when you're that young and you're just taking every opportunity, you're not even thinking, I can't. You're just like, I'm going to get in there and I'm going to figure it out. And sometimes that's the best way to be. Because God can use that. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. But when you're just kind of like made up your mind, and that's something I struggle with, you know? Mm. Just having so much information and then trying to apply it, but to my own detriment. Yeah, I feel like so much information stops me from making a choice. Exactly. And that's probably my worst enemy now is mm-hmm. being stuck in, I don't know what to choose because I have so many choices and I just don't know and it's too much information and I'm just considering doing nothing. Mm. Right. Facts. And when if I would just, like I had before, like, Literally, that's 2,000 miles away from Alabama. The only home I've known mm-hmm. in the sense of Alabama is my safety net. Mm-hmm. I was like, what's that? Yeah. There was nothing. My daddy was just like, what man are you going there for? That's what my daddy asked me. That's so random. My daddy gonna, asked me. I'm going to enroll in a PhD program for a man. Man. Wow. I'm going to challenge myself that much for a man. That's what my daddy asked me. He was like, what man is there? I that's like, crazy. Father. There's no Jesus. He's yeah, there. Exactly. So we're going like, to go. You probably want to get me out of here because there's a man right here. <laughs> There's a man right here. You probably want to give me millions of miles away from. That's so funny. So, yeah. So, I get there, but I will tell you, I, there were so many challenges when I got there that I asked God, was this what he wanted for mm. me? I was going to leave after my first semester. And I went to the director who got me in, and mm-hmm. I said, I'm going home. Mm-hmm. My mother has already told me, pack your bags, I'm coming to get you. Because it was that wretched. And it was because of a lot of things that occurred because of my skin color. I'll be honest with you. I was Let's told talk I about was... it. Because I was trying to get there. Black women in STEM. <laughs> Let's go. And I, I try not to. Sometimes I don't like to go here because we're both faith-based. You know, we yeah. both believe in God. And at the end of the day, God is bigger than racism. It is. But, but life, life is still being lived down here on this earth. It is. And, and 
your faith in God is how you navigate it's the very you real know. reality. Yeah, it's the thing that keeps you founded on right there where you exactly. plant your feet. Be like, but it doesn't what? mean it's not. Yeah, it's not. So tell me, let's talk about what it's like, and just kind of give me a large scope. We don't have to go granular. Okay. About what it's like. Large being scope a is, is that one of the professors mm -hmm. found out that I wasn't all superior, and I don't know. I have no idea. But my GPA was three two. It wasn't like four point oh, but it was still good. Mm -hmm. My the second time I took the GRE, I did actually right above hit right above average. Mm -hmm. I was proud of myself because right. when I took it the first time, I totally failed it. Right. So I was actually proud of myself. Mm -hmm. It wasn't stellar, but it was progressively getting better. Okay, progress. When she found out, I guess the information about me, she was like, "How did you get here?" She went to every last single one of my professors and told them to fail me. Because if I got, so you can't get a C in graduate school. No, right. I've heard that. If you get enough C's, you're totally annihilated because you can't bring your GPA up. It has to be. Like, I graduated with 3.8. Like, so what can't. happened? So she went to uh, my professors, but my professor said no. She has a good grade in this class, mm -hmm. but she gave me a C. An effort to annihilate me. And I should have challenged it because before I took the final exam, and the final exam was a take-home exam because remember, graduate school isn't testing your memory. It's testing your ability to think and create knowledge. Mm -hmm. So I had an, an 83 or something like that before the quiz. Uh, not the quiz, but the take-home exam. And I don't know because it's subject to her opinion. Mm -hmm. She could have given me a D whatever desire she had you get what I'm saying mm -hmm. so she gave me a standard class and I knew she was going to fail me because you just know I just knew you know when you're not like it's so funny how this is bringing back up memories high school English AP English 10th grade something I don't know I just transferred to this school and I know my English is great. I had a 780 out of 800 on the SAT scores and oh, my verbal. Wow. So I'm not dumb. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> She's like, I know how to speak he, English. He gave me a D. So today, like you said, you almost want to challenge it, but you're young. You yeah. don't know anything and you're scared. And it's like, no, if there's a D, it's not going to be in English, yep. you know? And it's just so sad. And you don't think that it's race, at least when I was a freshman in high school. I'm not thinking that's racism. Yeah. And then there's so many other microaggressions that I feel like God didn't allow me to find out until after I graduated. Like, my high school counselor was trying to get me kicked out of high school. Like, me. Like, I was like AP queen. <laughs> it's just so crazy, right? It's so crazy. because I. But how do you, as a grown person, navigate your dis? gruntleness towards a child we're not viewed as children remember and oh, neither here nor there continue please we're not gonna i don't want to go into a, a grumbling fest but yes these realities do exist and they do have have to be navigated with grace they exist but i want you to know even in spite of their existence god still yes. brings you over has the last because word. to be honest with you i didn't know anything about her going to my professors i found that out three years later isn't that so wonderful and oh in a side conversation, one of my professors was saying, oh, yeah, she tried to get you kicked out. She tried to make me give you a C. I said, <laughs> she did what? <laughs> Girl, I was, I was so crazy. Inferior. It's so funny. I found out later, too, about my guidance counselor years after the fact. In a, in a random side conversation. But how do you it's crazy? Do, like, for me, I really had to go in and pray about that because I was just. It's like, just evil. It's evil. It's really evil. Why? What did I do to you? Right. 
I'm sitting here, I'm nobody. I don't right. challenge you. I'm just somebody trying to learn. Right. And I'm not one of those people who will fail mm-hmm. and won't ask for help. I was being in your face 24 seven. I was in her face and I asked her because I wanna go fail that final exam. Mm-hmm. I was completed with it before it was due. Mm-hmm. And I asked her to look through it. And she had no comments to the negative. But I get a C in your class. Premeditated. Premeditated, but it's fine, it's fine, okay. I'm here. I'm here, doctor. Doctor, doctor. No, I'm yes. <laughs> Okay. So, so yeah. yeah. So other, I mean, though, that's that's one of the things that you will come up against. People not thinking that you should be here. Okay. And that sentiment she gave over to other professors too. So I struggled in another professor's class that she was very close to. Okay. But I believe that I struggled so much because her sentiment of I should not be here flooded over to him. Mm. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it's, and he kind of was a little uncomfortable with me because it was kind of like, you know, I don't, like I would go He was operating off of what he heard. Yes. When I would go to him for help, he would be very vague Mm. and tell me to go read X, Y, and Z. But my counterpart, who was in the same lab as me, would get hours of time with him to navigate and figure out. And she would give that information to me, so we were good. Right. I'd be like, "You go to him, and you tell you you tell me what's going, on. girl." We we That's so sad. girl. We had a team. So you feel like I mean, if you want to speak to a woman, an African American woman or a man, wanting to get into this field, this is definitely something you feel like they should look out for. Yeah, well, it's going to be. So I will tell you that the higher you move up in, whether you're going to be a physician, whether you're going to be a PhD, whether you're going to be anything that has title or has prestige, Mm -hmm. you're going to fight people thinking you should not be there. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds bad, but it's the reality that you live in. And so I, I ignore people. Yeah. I ignore foolishness. Mm -hmm. And if God has you there, I'll be honest with you. I tried to quit. I tried to quit mm. after that first semester because she made my life terrible. Mm. When I found out I see, I was just like, whatever. Mm-hmm. I ain't doing this. Mm-hmm. And she ended up, but you know what? Bam. Wait, let me tell you. Let me tell you about God. Okay. So, so I was promised a fellowship when I got there, but I didn't get it because funds weren't available. And so when I got a C for that class and she was spreading the rumors about me mm-hmm. to everybody, mm-hmm. All eyes came on me because I was the only African-American in the program. Mm. Okay. So what did that mean for your fellowship? So it meant that I did not get it. So the director still didn't trust to give it to me because Mm -hmm. the students that they give the scholarships or the fellowships to, they want to see them succeed. Mm -hmm. So if you give it to someone who's going to drop out, that looks bad or that drops out. Okay. It looks bad on them because it's showing that you can't navigate students. Okay. And they don't want that. Okay. If the government gives you money, they want a return on their, their money. investment. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So, uh, what ended up happening, God is so amazing. Mm. All eyes turned to me. I went to him and I told him I was going to quit. He says, give it one more semester. Mm-hmm. I said, I promise you, it'll get better. Just give it one more semester. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. okay. I'm going to give it one more semester. Okay. I'm going to go home after this. Okay. And I wasn't even anticipating, like, I was like, I'm going home. Okay. This ain't going to get no better. 
So what I ended up doing is giving it one more semester and I started working for um, Dr. Cox. That was my first mentor. And he worked with prostate cancer. Okay. So he looked at the interceptor and looked at the signaling pathway. Okay. Uh, I started working with him because he helped me exponentially my first semester. Mm. And I wasn't his, I wasn't in his lab. Mm. He had no reason to invest in me so much. And I was like, why? If he will invest in me that much and he has no reason to, what if I become his student and he has a reason to? Mm. Hmm. So I chose him because he, I was told to choose your mentor, mm. not your subject matter. Because if you choose a bad mentor, you could be run, you could be knocking at this thing forever. Mm. Okay. So because he literally took hours to help me mm -hmm. and to help me understand biological concepts, and he was just my teacher. Okay. I decided to choose him. Okay. So I chose him. And he was actually resistant to take me in his lab. Because remember, my, my reputation is marred. Mm. This woman has marred my reputation. And he said, okay, I'll be honest with you. I've heard a lot of things. So I will take you on a trial basis. And I was like, bet. Trial basis. Let me get in there. I got in there. I blew his mind. Mm. He was just like, I don't understand. <laughs> he was like, no, I don't. I Mm -hmm. everything she said was a lie and I was just like yeah and so he told the director that I was amazing he just I, I don't know what happened between them two mm -hmm. but she is phenomenal mm -hmm. she's going to do very well if mm -hmm. she keeps on the track that she's on right now so he became my PI and I got a full ride you got Fellowship. a full I got a full ride what does that mean? So that means that you get a stipend every month. Okay. And you get your tuition paid for. Well, actually, no. I have another um, award to get my tuition paid for. Oh, wow. So school is paid for. That's amazing. It's, it's mind-blowing. That's amazing. And I just love how... I feel like that's kind of how God, God works, you know? Because I've been really in this space of figuring out what are the ways of God. Oh. So... I feel like much of our stories follow a pattern. They do. An opportunity is presented or you, you're in something that you think, like, you know, the enemy will open every door yeah. and have you believe, you know, nursing school, blah, blah, blah. Then God diverts you. He makes it easy to get in. But then once you get into the promised land, you have to work. You know, and that's what a lot of people miss. They say promised land, oh, I'm just going to go in there. And it's like, since when are the inhabitants of the promised land just giving up their houses? No. Because you have arrived. No. You have to fight. Girl. And and then whatever the enemy does to tarnish you or to break you down, he will go in and restore completely and make it worth your while. But you have to stay in the game and you have to finish. Yes. And I'm learning that about God. Um, yeah. Yeah. And he will get you through. And he will get you through. I but will... you have to be committed to walking it out with him. And graduate school was a walk of faith because mm -hmm. it was hard work mm -hmm. it was I'm it was sure. challenging work okay um because to be honest with you the so you have three years approximately three years mm -hmm. of just coursework mm -hmm. at the time you're doing course coursework you're also doing research okay and then after that you usually it's like two two to three years because okay. i think mine was like two and a half almost three you can't remember um of coursework and then you dive head in to research. And that means you spend 24 hours doing research 
to develop your project. Okay. So this has to be a novel project no one has to study, no one else is published on. Mm. So that means you've got a whole lot of work to do. Right. That is the most challenging part of, re- of the PhD, is your research. Okay. And you have to defend? You have to defend it. Okay. And that means you have to defend it. You have to say, nah, this is it, you know? That's <laughs> literally defending right. what you have researched. And that was the hardest part. That took me the longest. The coursework, first two, three years done. Right. It was the research that took me the longest mm. and was the most trying because you're working with things that you can't modify. Mm. You cannot make the cells work. Where are you getting these cells? So, um, Just out of curiosity. So, are they human? They're human cells. Okay. So I actually worked with the yeast system. So yeast... I don't want to get into biology of yeast. Okay, let's not. Yeah, no, yeah, it's not. Mm-hmm. But we use that as a pre-model for going into human cells. Okay. So it's kind of like, you give me a little snapshot in yeast, and it's less expensive to work mm-hmm. with yeast. And then after I get the snapshot in yeast, I say, okay, this looks good. Let me see if I can replicate this in human cells. Ooh. And normally you're able to replicate it because the yeast system and the steroid hormone signaling pathway, that, that complex, closely resembles. it closely resembles. So you're just... You, you, you introduce different proteins inside of the yeast mm-hmm. that allow that, um, what we call the heterocomplex, which mm-hmm. is basically the folding aspect mm-hmm. of the angioreceptor. Okay. So, and then we just replicate that in human cells and we're like, oh, perfect. Perfect. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I took about six and a half years to graduate total. Okay. And that was torturous for me because I thought I was going to be done at four. So they tell you you're going to be done in four years. But it depends on your project. But it depends on your project. It depends on your mentor. It depends on your university. Okay. There's a lot of things that uh, people need to know before you go into the hard sciences. So there's hard sciences and there's soft sciences. Okay. Hard sciences is... Yeah, bio, medical, okay. bio, yes. yes, biomedical sciences. Soft is like sociology, yes. psychology, got yes. it. Okay. Normally those will complete faster. Okay. But... We have to literally make it work okay. or die trying. So for a person of color wanting to um, get into research, you would, of course, recommend... Like, what steps? Because I know that a lot of what happened to you is nothing but God and yes. miraculous. But yes. for... I mean, I want to say for someone who doesn't have God. <laughs> That's a lie. We all do. We all. But, yeah. you know, but yeah. just someone wanting to start out. What would you recommend that they do? Um, find a mentor. Okay. Find a mentor of color that is invested. In your undergrad? Yes. Even before. Wow. How do you do that? In high school? Yes, you can. So they have programs now that... Can you will, name some? Just so that... Oh, I don't remember it's the okay. name. So Charles I'll tell you Drew later and I will post put them it. in the description yes, box. Yes. Mm-hmm. Charles Drew has a program where they allow undergraduates to come and do cancer research. Are you involved in that? I am involved in that. Okay. I am one of the teachers. I am one of the mentors um, involved in that. Um, it's called the Undergraduate Research Training Program. And it has a short name. The deadline has passed, unfortunately. Okay. However, it's an opportunity that's there. They pay okay. you like four or five thousand dollars for the summer, which is pretty good if right. you're a student. Would you be open to answering emails? I would be opening to answering emails um, and facilitating, navigating people in the right direction. Because to be honest, you never know how interested someone will be in navigating you until or helping you until you ask. Right. 
So I tell most of the students that come there when they go back to their schools, because they come from all over the mm-hmm. nation, mm-hmm. get into a research lab. Even if they just get into-, get into a research lab. Even if they'll just let you wash dishes. You might start off washing dishes, but you'll upgrade. They'll upgrade you. Petri dishes. Yes. Petri (laughs) dishes. Whatever it may be. You just want to let your face be seen and let them know that you are determined. Right. And you're interested and you're willing to do the grunt work. Because most people want to go, stop. You know, they want to start Mm -hmm. off as like a superstar. And it's just like, no, no, no. But you don't know anything. You don't know a thing. You don't, you, it's not that you can't have superstar status. Right. You don't know, you don't know what to do with superstar status. It's not because you can't be a superstar. I don't even consider myself a superstar. I just consider myself one that works hard. Right. And I love people. So honestly, I came from University of Michigan. Mm-hmm. And University of Michigan is like top tier, blah, 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 blah. You know, when I got into University of Michigan, they were like, University of Michigan? How you get that? How you get that? And I'm just like, I apply like everyone else. Exactly. <laughs> and God literally worked that out because I applied. So the thing is wrong with me is that I don't see boundaries, boundaries or barriers. But I just but do you it. can't. You can't. Um, I love that you say I just do it. You have to be a doer. Yes. Um, but I will say I'm this. a recovering procrastinator, so I'm learning the art of doing. And it's so important because when you do... But I God have those qualities work too, with. procrastination qualities. I think we all do. Yeah. A small part of us, we all have this one thing that we don't want to push forward in, but you're right. Yeah. Hard work is kind of the key to everything. It is. And then the Lord has to get get you there to just do it. Mm-hmm. So I'm one of those people who are very afraid of not doing what the Lord wants me to do. Mm. And that stops me from moving. Mm. But he constantly tells me, if you go mm-hmm. and you take me with you, You'll be fine. Mm. And I tell him all the time, okay, I'm about to do this. I'm about to do this, Jesus. But if it's not what you want to do, shut shut it down. And I don't see clearly. Mm, I no. tell him that all the time. We don't. I don't see clearly. So I'm looking to you to be my eyes, my ears, my hands, and my feet. Because I will go in the wrong direction mm-hmm. if you don't lead me. Yeah. So I'm giving God permission to navigate my life. And I have done that from the beginning. Okay. Like, at every, I will say that I've not been the most, the smartest mm-hmm. cookie on the shelf or like the best um, decision maker. But I will say that my heart intent mm-hmm. was to glorify God, even if it was in a totally wrong direction or wrong, you mm-hmm. know, even state of mind. The Lord knew that my desire was towards him. I just wasn't mature enough in different situations mm-hmm. and circumstances for it to be fully realized. Mm-hmm. So I believe that he's taking me very slowly, mm-hmm. but surely on a path mm-hmm. that's brought me here. Because I think to myself, I made so many dumb choices. Mm-hmm. People like, I know, mm-hmm. but you took me with you. And you were real willing. <laughs> I was willing. Willingness is and I wasn't, so big. I wasn't trying to disgrace him. Okay. So if if it turned out to that it wasn't right or whatever, it fell apart or whatever, my intent was not to disgrace God. Mm-hmm. So my heart was towards him. God. And I believe that he honors that. Right. I honestly believe that. Okay. So a, a clean heart. A clean heart. And he's constantly cleaning and purifying it. Yeah. I look back and I be like, girl, you was right. You was doing the most. I'm messing the hand basket. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I under, I understand. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for your willingness to share. Yes. There's so much more to yeah. share, but I 
I want to encourage those who are wanting to go into the stems is to fortify yourself to know that it's going to be challenging and I don't like to say that it's hard because everything in life is hard like if you don't know how to do it it's hard right it's not something that you've done before and I will say when I went into science it was like somebody was speaking Spanish to me but you submerge yourself in an environment mm -hmm. for long enough uh, oh yeah you will start speaking the language. You'll sound like an expert. And I think it's so encouraging that you took two years off of undergrad. Yeah. No, and then went undergrad. And after undergrad and then went straight to a PhD. I know. That was like, wild. And I was told and constantly. You survived. <laughs> like, that's just crazy. And then people will tell you things. But mm. I was told constantly, you cannot get straight into a PhD program. Mm. You have to have a master's first or you have to be phenomenal. And mm. remember, I saw myself as just, yeah. Right, regular. Yeah, just regular. So don't let people navigate your path. Right. If God has given you a desire in your heart, follow it. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't work out the first time, second time, third time, okay. But his will will be done in your life. Right. And I will say not everything, this has not been a straight path. Mm, it's okay. been like this. Mm -hmm. And it's because I don't, I'll tell people all the time, I still don't know exactly what I'm doing. I want to be, you know one day a faculty member encouraged the next generation mm -hmm. but I like I told you I have imposter syndrome and I realized I thought it was gone after graduate school because I finished my PhD mm -hmm. right but you'll continuously have imposter syndrome as you make it up and the problem is is because as you climb up the ladder you see less and less of yourself mm. say that again you see less as you climb up the ladder you see less and less of yourself I meaning you see less and less of people that look like you of color and at University of Michigan, I was the only black person. And that's kind of like the black experience. You're always the only. The only and it's so one. interesting because I'm used to it. Mm. it. It doesn't even, at least where the level I'm at, it doesn't occur to me. Um, you know, and a lot of people, because I'm African, um, I've heard the whole representation thing matters. And I've always understood it on an intellectual level, but it never resonated with me because I'm African. I was born on the mm. continent. All my doctors have been black. All my presidents have been black. All my engineers, you know what I mean? So I've never needed to see um, a strong black lead in order to believe it was possible for me to be a, a strong black man. I was just waiting for everyone else to catch up. You know, but it doesn't, but still there's that because there's so much lack of support yeah. at oh, every yeah. level. You do question if you are able. If you're able, should you be here? What am I doing? You know, it's a constant. Even though you know deep down, no, I'm more than capable. I was actually talking to my friend, like mm -hmm. the one I've not talked to in years. Mm -hmm. Susan, I love you, by the way. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to her about this imposter syndrome that I have. And mm -hmm. I was like, I just don't feel like I can do it. And she's like, listen, mm -hmm. you're doing it. Right. And I was like, I am. I'm kind of in a program. <laughs> I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm not in a program. I'm like one of the scientists. Like, I'm actually doing it. Like, Wait, you're a, that's um, your title? Yeah. I'm postdoctoral fellow, but okay. it's... You're a scientist. I'm a scientist. I'm a legit scientist. Now I was just... And what she said, she's like, but you're doing it. And I was like, but wait, wait. She's like, no. You are. You are doing it. You are. You're saying you can't do what you're doing. Right. And that actually, it, it just it just kept on accumulating that God is trying to break... Uh, the identity is so strong in this season. The rebranding of the identity the restructuring of brain molecules to see yourself the way he sees you to come up higher in thought and perspective and mindset all of it all of it we must come up higher i get it but it's a constant it's constant 
because like literally challengers yeah I did not think that that was who I was until I was speaking to her and I was like but I can't do it and she's like but you're doing it how can you can't do what you're doing right and then that was kind of like they kind of freaked me out because I was like wait DeAndra what are you doing you're I thought to myself you're sabotaging what God has placed you mm. because you say you can't do what you're already doing mm. that's a word that, yeah so it's like, really look at your life. Are you not already doing what you say you can't do? Exactly. And then <sighs> capitalize on where God puts you. Mm, so use everything. Use everything. We don't capitalize because we think we're imposters. What about, it's just, there's so much. What do you mean, so much? Okay, so there's only, there's only so many hours in a day. This is true. So No, and you have to take care of you. And so how do you have the discernment about what it's just praying, right? Figuring out what you're supposed to be capitalized. Because you know what's so funny? Like, I know exactly what you mean. I'm trying to move to the next step in my career at work. Mm -hmm. And I remember reaching out to my coworker, like, oh, I'd love to sit with you and shadow you for a little bit. And I remember thinking to myself right after that, maybe you're doing too much. And it's like, no, use your opportunities. Yes, that's there. If it, yeah. Because the one thing I love about what you said is that you were you weren't necessarily prepared to step in to no. what god had for you but once you got there you really made it work so when the opportunity opened up with was it dr cox yes you blew you were able to blow his mind yes so yeah and i was use never, what you have where was, you are yes true and i was never ready per se mm. i was just willing mm. so I will say I wasn't ready for graduate school because when I got there, I was like, I don't know none of this stuff. Right. I can't even imagine. Y'all speaking another language. Right. And then when I went to to my first postdoctoral training, mm -hmm. I was like, wait, I'm already, I've never worked with mice before. What are bones? What? Mice, why is this, I know. I what am I doing? You know, it's just, right. I wasn't ready, but God navigates you yeah. in whatever path he places you in. Yeah. Don't stop yourself from reaping the benefits of what God has for you because you're not ready in your own mind. Right. He makes you ready for the experiences he takes you through in that situation, mm -hmm. in that place he's leading you. Right. Because it's not about getting to a destination. It's about the journey. It's about the journey with him. Yes. And it shapes and molds you into mm -hmm. what is going to light up the world around you. Yes. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And I'm so excited to just, I hope people reach out. Your experiences don't form you. That's true. Don't allow them to form you because negative experiences can make you think that this is not for you. Mm. When that's not always true. That's true. It's just because I was about to leave graduate school. I said that I was not cut out for this. And you were actually more than. Exactly. Out, right? So we can't let the experiences in our lives shape and mold our destiny because right. if it were not for God, I would have left. Right. So, I hear that. Yeah. Thank you again. You are welcome. Yay.